The Oil Can is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. With GameTime, you can buy your tickets with just two taps, which makes getting to the arena a much, much easier process than finding somebody to wrangle your toddler for three hours. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. My name is Jonathan Willis, and joining me today is Daniel Nugent Bowman from Where Are You, Daniel? Well, I'm near the Phoenix Airport. Uh, still in Phoenix. There, the Oilers are enjoying a day off, um, trying to get a little work done. But maybe, maybe I'll go for a hike or something today. It's, uh, I'm glad I'm here instead of uh, Denver, which is where I thought I was for a couple minutes when I landed. Uh, it's been a long trip, and kind of near the back half of it, but it's been a pretty good darn trip for the for the Oilers. Yeah, and, and what a massive weekend. I mean, like the, the trip overall, 3-1-0, and all, uh, you know, these are all against division rivals, and the only points they dropped were in one of the, a two-point game against the Kings. But that, that weekend, you have Arizona, now they have a four-point lead on the Coyotes rather than being tied for the Pacific Division lead with Arizona, and they beat Vegas too, which is a team a lot of people expect, expected and maybe still expect to come away with the division lead. What... What was your thought on what this weekend meant to the Oilers? Yeah, what a funny kind of turnaround, uh, especially after the Los Angeles game where they looked pretty lousy, uh, especially the first period and, and really the game. I mean, you, you, when you play an L.A. team, you think, okay, maybe they can they can come back, chip away at it. But it, there was pretty little life after being down 3-0. Um, and... and you know, a big a big weekend as you mentioned against the two of the well, Arizona being near the top and and uh, Vegas supposed to be near the top, um, and back to back nights you got to travel after later evening game with the, with the time change uh, in in Arizona and two pretty good efforts. I mean, the especially the the Vegas game. I thought they were they were very good. They were they were they were excellent in, in that game and obviously the the big guys came out came out to play so when you get four points uh, albeit the second one in a shootout against uh, the two teams that are that are very good on, on back-to-back nights I think that shows this team is is for real what, what do you think yeah I'm not a big you know statement game guy I, I think we play into that too much it's an 82 game season the truth of what you are comes out over over time and and as a sports writer it would be great if you could say this was the game but I almost had that feeling on this trip. Uh, to me, I, I know people kind of write off San Jose a little bit, but I still, I, I still think the Sharks are a very good team. Vegas is the team that I have been expecting to win the division. This, you know, this that that was a. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a better game than that. That was just a phenomenal game on both sides. It wasn't one of those ones where you go, yeah, the Oilers won, but they didn't bring their A game. It was it was a, just a quality matchup between two very good teams. And then coming to beat Arizona, it wasn't as, as good of a game. But, you know, you put four goals, I won in the shootout. But you, you score, you, you, beat, you beat Darcy Camper, who is probably the Vezina front runner right now. Most teams haven't been able to do that. And uh, yeah, they've just positioned themselves. They've put themselves in a great place, and it's not something they've been able to do in the past. 
Yeah, exactly. And especially the Arizona game, you know, being down, they, they had a, a pretty tough stretch there where they allowed the two goals. Uh, and you're trailing going into the third period. I don't I don't think that Oilers team last year and in a lot of previous years would have won that game, especially against a very, you know, stingy defensive team in, in the Coyotes. So, uh, and it wasn't even the, I mean, the, don't get me wrong, the big guys played a lot uh, last <laughs> night. And especially they, in they, overtime. <laughs> they, yeah, no kidding. And they, they earned their paychecks. But um, you got scoring from Chason, who has been very much uh, struggling this year. Marcus Granlin, who suddenly found uh, a scoring touch with the three goals in the last four games. Uh, Sam Gagne having to move to the second line center and, um, and assisting on Chason's goal. Uh, and without Nugent Hopkins on the power play, they had a little bit of a different look on the one power play they did get um, with um, with Neil scoring, but with you know Chason and Neil having to share the ice together. So some guys that um, you know haven't uh, haven't always been there this year, um, chipping in, and that's what good teams do. I mean, those those guys aren't going to produce a lot, and they're not going to consistently uh, produce or, or bring something every game, but. Um, on nights where your top guys aren't scoring you three or four or five points, um, you need some other guys to, to chip in a little bit. And um, that's what happened against a, an Arizona team um, that looked like they were primed to win that game late. So um, those are those are big wins, and, and especially on a, on, a, on a road trip that's primarily divisional games, and they got three of four. Of course, the one loss coming against a team that they should have beat. But, hey, you know, <laughs> you, take th- you take three of four any day, I think. Oh, absolutely. I'm actually a little bit torn as to which is more impressive. Like you mentioned the uh, the loss lead to Arizona, but that wasn't the only adversity they ran into this weekend. You know, you had a Nugent Hopkins goal disappearing on a quick whistle. You had that nasty hit uh, by Ryan Reeves on Oscar Clefbaum. You had a goal late in the first against Vegas, which could have been a backbreaker. You had a goal against Arizona, which could have been easily uh, an Arizona goal, which could have easily been called off. Um, with a player, in my opinion, interfering with Connor McDavid, like there was a lot of stuff that you could have looked at as, you know, an excuse or a backbreaking moment, and none of it really mattered. In the end, they just were able to chip out two wins regardless. And and I, I, I don't want to say that teams in the past couldn't have done it, but it, there was a lot working against them, and they overcame it with some of the things you mentioned such as the depth scoring, which uh, to me, like uh, Granlund in particular, just came out of nowhere. Granlund might have saved his his season with the Oilers right there. Potentially, yeah. And uh, well, just to kind of touch back on, on what you were kind of uh, talking about. Yeah, we there, should we should actually earlier. spend some time on Clef and Reeves, I guess. Hey? <laughs> well, yeah, but, but what I was going to say is that I, I, and I don't think past teams were, were looking for excuses necessarily, but this team really isn't willing to make any excuses. You know, you look at um, the cleft bomb hit, and, and nobody was too, was too pleased about that. Uh, the, the Reeves on cleft bomb hit, I should should clarify. Um, but but uh, they just kind of were able to move on from that, and they didn't get you know too uh, worked up about it in the course of of letting it affect their their game, and especially the. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the hold uh, by uh, who I forget who the player who held. Uh, oh, it's it, now. yeah, I'm I'm blanking too. <laughs> he ended up scoring the goal too. And, uh, oh, uh, Christian Fisher, uh, right. and um, you know the McDavid. You know he Fisher was able to get up first, and you know and, and beat McDavid to the net. Um, but 
you know, Tippett, uh, Dave Tippett especially wasn't willing to kind of let that that slide in terms of why the goal was scored. He he didn't say he was Leon Drysaddle's fault, but he said, "Hey, we we kind of missed the check in, in front of the net," and and Drysaddle was obviously the guy that that was there. So, you know, they're, they're they know you know some some calls are going to go against them throughout the course of the year or, or not you know work in their favor but you know but the goal against uh, Nugent Hopkins wave off uh, the goal that was waved off by him they just kind of carried on and um hey they're 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 winning these games that you know where there's a little bit of adversity too so that's another another plus in, in the um in that side of the ledger and um you know for a team that that has been so over the last you know several you know dozen years um this is a really i think positive step for for this team so speaking of adversity nugent hopkins obviously missing the game against arizona is he also going to be out against colorado on wednesday yeah that's uh that's the indication from now i mean um but david Tippett doesn't think it's, it's going to be serious which is which is obviously good for the oilers because um although nugent hopkins has had you know is he struggles at, at times, and, and he has started to produce a little more uh, lately. Um, they can't really afford to be without without him very long. Like kudos to Sam Gagne for for stepping up, but um, you know he spent the previous three games in the press box. So um, there's no denying how important Ryan Nugent Hopkins is to this team, and if they can get him back pretty soon, um, seems like the weekend might be a possibility. But he, it's almost a certainty that he'll miss. Um, Wednesday against the Avalanche. Well, and the weekend's going to be interesting just because it's the it's it's back to back games, right? The home and home with Vancouver this weekend. I think. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So with with back to back games, you kind of wonder if maybe maybe it, like if he misses any time at all, it, it's easy to miss two games in two days, or maybe you miss one. I I, I don't know, but uh, Sam Gagne didn't miss a beat stepping in for him. I was really really curious to see how that line was going to do because Chason hasn't exactly lit the world on fire this year James Neal has been very productive but mostly early and largely on the power play and honestly it wouldn't have if you told me that they scored a goal and it was kind of a broken play and a weird like I would have believed that but what really surprised me against Arizona was that they looked to me like the Oilers well I think Tippett actually called them the best line early in the game didn't he he did yeah and and I mean when the Oilers were um or sorry, when Sam Gagne was on the ice at five on five, the he the Oilers outshot or out sorry out attempted uh, the Coyotes uh, twenty to seven. So um, that's that's doing something right, I would think. And uh, you know, for again, for a guy who who's had such a bizarre year, I mean, he didn't make the team at a training camp. You know, goes to Bakersfield for a few days, and you know, I talked to Jake Woodcraft a little bit about him, and said he was just great down there for the young players. Uh, comes back up, you know, spends a little time with with uh, McDavid and Drysaddle on, you know, the first line. Drops back down the lineup in the press box. He's kind of been all over the place, and you know, to have a guy step in so seamlessly um, is a real boon to this organization and again it's it's not something where you're, you I don't think you can leave him in that role for any indefinite or for any prolonged period um but to get a game or maybe two or three out of him in in these spots is, is really big and, and shows what kind of a pro he is to be able to step in um after after a long absence so you know he hasn't played in, in a week so or more than a week just sitting there and watching games so that that's really good yeah, and it doesn't always go that way, uh, especially in the salary cap era, because teams have to do things to to handle these contracts that they sign. 
a lot of times you'll see those veterans who, you know, maybe they don't make the team out of camp for whatever reason, their career has gone in a direction that nobody foresaw. A lot of times it doesn't have a happy ending. You end up with a guy who's maybe not even productive in the American League at the American League level. I can think of a few off the top of my head who, you know, I don't want to say they sulked because you're not there, but it it almost seemed like they did. So to have a guy like Gagne who, uh, you know, obviously expected to be an NHL player for the length of this contract, to have him cut, to have him go down to the farm, perform well, have him come up, only be used sometimes and perform well, you're absolutely right. It it speaks to him as, uh, to who he is as a professional, and and it's, um, it's, it's a good look. Or ordinarily, you'd kind of look at him and say, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to come back at some point, but you know maybe Gagne's got a spot on another line, and that may very well be the case. But one of the interesting things to me about this weekend, and actually just the last couple of weeks generally, has been the emergence of that fourth line, that Gaetan Haas line. Uh, Granlund and Russell uh, were together for um, for the Arizona game, anyway. <laughs> uh, but but Haas to me, and that that whole unit has been more productive of late. Do, do you see it the same way, or am I overstating it? Yeah, I mean, with with Granlund chipping in offensively, they're they're starting to bring that element. But they're starting to get uh, looks to me like a little more um, confident and a little more sustained time uh, in the offensive zone. And and Haas seems to really be. Um, I don't know if you, you can annoyed him as a you know a, a, an NHL player right now, but he's getting more and more on that track to me. So um, uh, I, I you know I think they got I mean they don't really have other choices to, but to keep riding him. But I think they you know at the right spots um, they can they can kind of use him effectively. Like the the, the issue with Haas is again is. is um, Kind of the, still the defensive awareness, and obviously faceoffs are, are something he really needs to work on because he, uh, I forget which game it was now, it might have been L.A. or maybe no, I think it was Vegas. He he got clean on a couple of draws in in uh, the Edmonton zone, and it led to some some clear scoring chances. But um, and that's I mean that's not something you want from it, especially a depth center if you you don't feel comfortable uh, starting him in the defensive zone uh, because you obviously want the big boys uh, playing in the offensive zone, you know, taking those draws, but. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's some some players kind of in the bottom six that at least are showing signs of progress, which earlier in the year we were kind of wondering about. <laughs> um, you know, is Marcus Granlin ever going to do anything? Is is Gaetan Haas an NHL player? Remember, he he was another guy uh, along the same lines of. Um, of Sam Gagne, who spent some time in Bakersfield. So um, Patrick Russell, surprisingly, has, has kind of come in and out of the lineup a little bit here, but I think he, you kind of know what he is as a player, and, and, and I think especially with um, with Kara and um, and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins out of the lineup, uh, you do need a guy like um, like Russell uh, at the bottom to, to kill some penalties because they're, they're kind of short on some of these PKers. So, um, yeah, these guys bring bring some things, and they're, they're kind of making – uh, the most of, of some opportunities right now. Yeah, and arguably their two best uh, penalty-killing forwards this year, Kara and Nugent Hopkins. I actually feel a little bad for Kara because he just starts scoring and then boom, he's out of the lineup. There was an opportunity there, and, you know, uh, fate seems to have conspired to rob him of it. Uh, it's... Um, if there, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be too negative about this because obviously it's a very successful weekend, but... One of the things that I, I took away from those two games, I'm, I'm still concerned about the Riley Shahan line. Tippett's using them in a very difficult role. I don't want to 
you know, pretend that they're, you know, floundering in, in, in an easy slot or anything like that, but they haven't been able to do the job that they've been tasked with. I, at least in my opinion, maybe maybe I'm overstating that again, and I'll get your opinion on it. But but that to me is the one place where I, I wonder if there doesn't need to be a move made sooner rather than later. Yeah, and and it's a good point in that they are in a really tough spot. Like the, I think that third line center spot is becoming more and more of a a really um, crucial part of a team, and a, and a, it's a, it's a thankless role, right? So. Um, Shahin is, I don't think he's he's ever going to be um, the guy you think of as the league's prototypical third-line center. And so, um, you know, on, on, a, on a contending team, he's probably not that, that guy. Of course, nobody thought the Oilers were going to be where they are at this point <laughs> of the season right now. Uh, you know, Shahin being signed in early September, um, you know, for, for less than a million bucks, it was kind of like a... Hey, we, we need a guy, and you could be that guy. But there 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 could be an opportunity to, to upgrade there uh, internally. Really, the the option they're trying to groom is um, is Cooper Marodi, who's been banged up uh, recently, and 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 I think he still has a way to go to to try to become that third line center that they want. Um, so you know, as they move along here, it might be an opportunity where Holland needs to address that role um, via trade. Um, in probably in the new year. I mean, it, it could come so- sooner than that, but I, I think you're looking probably in the new year uh, for that role to be addressed. And, and ideally, um, although these players aren't aren't available on trees, but but I think they're looking for a right shot because they're they're very left-handed heavy uh, it, among their centermen. And you know, Gaetan Haas being that only a right-handed uh, centerman and of course we just talked about his you know kind of his his, his deficiencies there in terms of face-offs and, and defensive play so I think that's that's kind of where they're looking and you know it's not gonna not gonna be an easy player to acquire but um if the Oilers are going to keep keep on this this track that they're on which is you know obviously a, a pleasant surprise um that's a that's an area of, of um, obvious upgrade I would think yeah, and we've talked about this before too, and, and I think we both agree, or at least we both agreed in the past that the, and most people would would probably agree with us that uh, moving a defenseman for a forward is the way to go. One of the things that I think will make that a little bit easier if if it continues as it is is the play of of their two young defensemen, um, Ethan Bear. I, I thought had an excellent weekend, and Caleb Jones really impressed me in large part because. He was kind of under the microscope after that game against LA. Uh, you know, there was there was some. I always find it interesting the amount of public criticism that gets directed at a 22 year old rookie versus you know a 32 year old veteran when when the 32 year old veteran has a game like that. But but that's a, that's a random tangent. I don't need to go down. <laughs> I I think the key takeaway there was you know Jones could have found himself out of this lineup. He could have found himself playing his way out of out of a job if if that run if that game against LA had continued at all. I, I didn't think he did. I thought he had a really nice rebound effort against Vegas and and was good against Arizona. Yeah, agreed. I mean that's that's a case where I mean they could have taken him out. Excuse me, of the lineup against Vegas, you know, the only other option of course right now with with Matt Benning being hurt on the line or in the on the roster is uh, Brandon Manning, um, which I don't think anyone is necessarily clamoring to, to to see. But 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 the issue is okay. So he has a rough game, and you're you're going to put him into a, to a hostile environment in in Vegas, um, and and 
you know, is his confidence shot? Are you feeding him to the wolves? But this is a really good opportunity to see what he has. I think that's what the coaching staff's um, mindset was, where, you know, they know what they have in, in Brandon Manning. He's a, you know, serviceable number seven defenseman. But that's, you know, that means he's playing every fifth game or, or whatever the case may be. He hasn't played a lot this year. Um you know, obviously, those uh, I just use that as an example. He's played, you know, for a consistent stretch there. But um, you, you kind of want to see what you have in Jones, and and you see how he can rebound. And and he performed very well, I thought, this weekend. And I mean, you're going to have tough nights as a, as a younger player. He still is a rookie, just getting in the 17 games last season. And I think you have to remember, although he has played uh, his offside since junior, we, we were talking to him the other day about that, uh, he is doing it now at the NHL level. And, uh, you know, uh, initially, um, obviously, and back with Clefbaum, but he was also doing it uh, at times with um, with Chris Russell, too, on, on, a, on a pair. So he's getting moved around a little bit. You know, it's, it's a tough spot for, for, for a young player. I mean, none of the veterans... Uh, you know, Chris Russell uh, aside, is is the guy that is playing the offside. So you're you're asking a young guy to step in um, to 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 play a side that um, uh, it, it makes things a little trickier. He got crushed. I forget who hit him. It might have been Reeves, but in the Vegas game because you know he he had to kind of make take that extra half second to to play the puck on his on his offside. Um, it's a tough it's a tough role for for a young player and any defenseman. So. Kudos to him for for getting back in there, the coaching staff for allowing him to get back in there, and for him making the most of his opportunity. Because I think he's there's a real player there. I know you think very highly of him, John, <laughs> um, and and rightly so because I think he's he's you know a very solid defenseman who's who's just needs a little time to kind of figure it out here. Yeah, I uh, obviously I, I really liked the player last year in Bakersfield. I'm I'm kind of sold on him, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the playing the offside element because. It, it is very difficult and you know most coaches have moved away from it most most players most left shot players have to win a, a job on the left side because it is so difficult to to move the puck in those situations but Jones wasn't the only guy getting an opportunity from the coaches and, and taking advantage of it I think when you look in net you had the same sort of situation I know it was back to back so they were going to divvy those two games up between Koskinen and Smith anyway but Smith I, I didn't think was sharp versus the Kings I, I don't think anybody really thought I'm not I'm not saying anything profound here I don't think anybody was you know uh, really praising Mike Smith after that game but Really good showing against Air, uh, Vegas. Yeah, and, and I, you know, and I'll, I'll give Smith a little bit of an out in the sense that no one was very sharp, or very yes. few guys are very sharp, and uh, you know, especially uh, Leon Dreisaitl was was very critical of his own play, and he, I mean, he let uh, um, Carter go to go to the net basically on that third goal, and then like, to Foley on the last goal, but that was you know that was garbage time but um so that that kind of sealed smith's fate in terms of getting him out of that game but uh dave tippett's been you know obviously they're kind of doing that two goalie rota- two game rotation ish thing um but <laughs> he's been he's been very you know insistent and, and cons- consistent in getting mike smith back in net when he's had a, a rough game like he knows this player pretty well he's coached him for more than half of his nhl career which is uh, pretty pretty odd and, and 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 kind of a funny scenario when you think about it but um so he knows Mike Smith, and and Smith has generally responded pretty well in these in getting back in there after a tough night, and and especially against Vegas, uh, you know there were a few stretches where they were really coming on, and he had to make a few you know pretty pretty big saves, and then you know Koskinen, um, 
there's obviously everyone knows how much criticism there is of that, that contract and uh, how how you know there seemed to be about a one bad goal game um, down the stretch last season when he was he was played a lot. Um, but this year, I think you could probably count the amount of bad goals on one hand. I mean, you, you probably don't like the, the one out of the corner there last night, but he's kind of getting interfered with by, by Nygaard, his own player. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were joking in the press box that they could have should have called, called goalie interference on that one, but uh, I don't think that would have worked out pretty well with it being the Edmonton guy. But um, he's been he, – and, and, and he, that save he made on um, – I think it was Grabner uh, with about six minutes into the third period was really big. That stretching out the left pad um, gave the Oilers a chance to come back in that game. So um, he's he's been one of the bigger and better players for for the Oilers. I use uh, big, uh, I guess literally too. But um, he's uh, you know full marks to him because I don't think they would be where they are you know without him. Obviously, you need good goaltending, but he's been a, certainly a pleasant surprise for them. Yeah, he he absolutely has. I actually think that it's funny because I, you know, I if I were Tippett, I wouldn't be in any hurry to move away from his two goalie rotation. I think I think that's worked well for the team, but I do think that Koskinen has kind of won the starting job, at least from my perspective. You look at their five on five save percentage. Koskinen's at nine twenty eight. Smith's at nine oh three. And I know there's there's the penalty kill side. There's there's a lot of other stuff going in there. I, I don't mean to to say Smith has played poorly because he hasn't. But if if I'm the coaching staff, I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, maybe maybe Koskinen plays three out of five going forward rather than a a, a true fifty fifty split. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Uh, is that how you see it, Daniel? Do you think that they should pick a guy to go a little bit heavier towards, or should they just keep rolling with what's working? Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and and it's funny because um, Smith has actually started more than Koskinen at this point. So I think right. you know, there's a clear, I think with with the background that Tippett and and Smith share together, I think there's a real um, interesting dynamic, and I think you know with um, Smith uh, Tippett doesn't want to not to lose him, but but he really wants to see him do well and 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 kind of get get him going. And and there's been you know just a few kind of off nights for Smith, but generally he's been pretty been pretty decent. I know like especially lately uh, he's kind of jumbled back and forth between good starts and bad. But um, in that sense, I mean the consistent. Uh, goaltender uh, has been Koskinen over Smith, and you're right. I think if you lean more heavily in that regard, not not by touch, but you know, I like your three and five kind of mentality here. That would probably be preferable and more beneficial to the Oilers. I'm not sure if, if Dave Tippett is, is ready, and and you know Dustin Shorts and the and the team. I don't think they're ready to to kind of go quite down that that road yet. But you know, eventually they're going to have to lean toward a guy if. If you know they are going to get in the playoffs, which is obviously looking more and more likely, um, because you don't see much of a split um, even when teams do that in the regular season. They obviously, the the uh, almost always tend to pick a guy and run with him. So um, you know the back half of the year, I think they're going to really need to to figure that out. But um, there's still some some time to to figure it out. Oh, for sure. And a lot of it's going to be dictated by the schedule, too, especially as a Western team, all the travel you have. If you're playing in a month where you're or if you have one of those months where you're playing every other day, it 
you know, it forces you to go to a tandem, really, even if you have a designated starter. Uh, it's, uh, I, and I, the, the one thing I'm curious about with Koskinen that I, I wonder if they'll figure it, find out this season or if they're just going to keep going with the tandem is whether he can handle that kind of workload because he was really good in a tandem situation last year with, with Talbot uh, coming out of the gate. And it kind of went away from him when they, they started overplaying him down the stretch. Yeah, thirty. It was like thirty or thirty-two or, or something yeah, of, that, of that nature. Uh, when they were basically out of it too, it was, I don't. Know, it just didn't do them any favors, and um, it uh, I, I, obviously I don't think they're barring an injury or something really crazy yeah. that happens to Mike Smith. I don't think they're obviously even close to being in that situation again. So that's that's obviously will put him in a lot better spot than than last season and 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 of course the team around him is playing better too which which certainly helps a, a goaltender's cause so um yeah I don't think we're, we're looking at anything like that and and uh you're right I, I you know the the schedule and and how both guys are playing are, are going to going to dictate things but um I think they're obviously in a lot better spot um with their goaltending than they were a year ago that's for sure well, and, you know, you're, it, it's interesting to think about it from an injury perspective because with um, Shane Sturette not really playing a lot this year, uh, having been injured, if somebody did go down, they'd probably be looking, I would imagine, at Stuart Skinner as the, the recall from Bakersfield. So whoever, whoever, whichever goal NHL goalie was left standing would be facing a really heavy workload at that point. Uh, fortunately, that's that's not something that has uh, has been an issue. The Oilers have had some injuries, but they've been healthy at, at the key positions, I think, especially in net. Um, Adam Larson may be the exception to that. I'm not, I don't have a great read on Larson yet, but it looks to me like he's he's kind of rounding back into form. And I think it's probably a good thing that the coaches haven't leaned on him too, too heavily right away. I think he's averaging, uh, let me just pull up his ice time right now. He Yeah, so he played 17 minutes against Arizona, 15 35 against Vegas to me that's that's completely sensible there's no need to to have him play 23 24 minutes a night right back coming off injury yeah and of course he missed a lot of time too right yeah. like seven weeks uh and and Tibbetts noted this as well which I think is a fair point like it's not like he you know was up and running missed seven weeks like he missed he he got hurt in the first game of the year, so he didn't really get uh, much of a you know runway to get going either. Um, so yeah, I think it's been pretty smart what they've tried to do with him, um, giving him uh, an opportunity to get back into that second pair and, and 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 test drive. That was an interesting move in the second game. I thought he would get a little bit more of a. Um, more time with Russell consistently, um, but right after that that goal where he got walked by Shea Theodore, uh, he was right back, basically down to the to being with Russell again. Um, he hasn't killed much. He hasn't spent much time on the penalty kill either. Obviously, he's, he's never going to see the ice on uh, you know for the power play. So they're really kind of just easing him in in terms of a, you know a bottom pairing role, which. Given the way you know we, we didn't actually talk about it a lot, but the way you know Ethan Bear is playing, and and then you got you know Nurse and Kleppbaum is playing a ton and playing very well, um, you know that that that's a pretty easy thing for the coaching staff to do, and I think eventually you know you'd hope and you think that Russell will get, or sorry that uh, Larson will get back uh, into that um, that second pair um, position, um, or you know with with Kleppbaum or, or or in that that kind of realm. Um, but 
the way the team's playing and, and the you know the the, the you know type, type of injury he's had to come back from it's, it's perfectly yeah. fine um, to leave him where he is right now yeah no no real rush on it just as an aside that Theodore goal was a thing of beauty I uh, I enjoy watching that <laughs> just as a fan of the game I oof, you don't usually see yeah. two defensemen of that caliber get walked by an opposing defenseman well it's funny I was kind of doing something else in the press box and I looked up and and uh, I, I didn't kind of see it all in, re- in real time. And, and I saw, like, this seven on the right side of the jersey, and he walked around. And I was like, oh, Pacioretty, what a, what a great goal. I even <laughs> tweeted it out. And I saw the replay again, and I was like, what the heck? That was not a forward. That was a defenseman doing that. And, and even our colleague, uh, Vegas colleague, Jesse Granger, was like, hey, that's understandable. Like, defensemen don't usually do that stuff, right? So um, for, for a defenseman to make that kind of move on two, like, you know, solid NHL defensemen, um, because, I mean, Clefbaum didn't look so hot on that one either. Um, <laughs> one of the rare instances was, this year. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, he's played tremendous. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a heck of a move and a, and a heck of a goal by a, by a pretty young uh, defenseman in this league. Obviously a very good one in, in shape, Theodore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's actually a good point for us to... Uh, to note the full 60 podcast with Craig Custance, the NHL insider. He looks at all the great stories around the league. He every week speaks to some of the game's most intriguing voices, tells its most compelling stories, and fills you in on players like Shea Theodore, who, if you're in Edmonton, you only get to see a few times a year. So he's well worth listening to just to keep track of what's happening around the game. Uh, for Daniel Nugent Bowman, I'm Jonathan Willis. Uh, thank you again for joining us on the Oil Can.